Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Thursday, December 14th, 2023. Professor Sachs joins us from New York City for the first time in a while. because Happy, he's happy to be home. <laughs> after his whirlwind tour, I hope you're at least staying in New York for the holidays. But uh, Professor uh, Jeffrey Sachs, it's always a pleasure. And thank you very much for making yourself available to all of our viewers and listeners and to me from wherever you have been on the planet. Today is perhaps the easiest. You're in your office at Columbia University, but uh, we are deeply grateful to the lengths through which you went to be available to us wherever you were, because you never miss a beat and you're with us every week and we all appreciate it. Well, it's, it's a great pleasure and honor. I can tell you I was in Ethiopia and a, a leading Ethiopian diplomat said how much he enjoys your show. I, I thought I should mention that to oh, you. <laughs> nice to hear that. Uh, when you were away, we uh, broke our, our goal of 250,000 subscriptions, which we wanted to meet by Christmas. And because of guests like you, we were able to reach it uh, yesterday. Hey, great news. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, but while you were uh, away, uh, the Congress uh, of the United States of America used its subpoena power to compel the testimony of college presidents, uh, and uh, certain members of Congress proceeded to berate these college presidents because they didn't say what members of Congress thought they should say about the exercise of free speech on their private college campuses. Now you. Uh, are on the campus of Columbia University as we speak. The president of Columbia was not involved in this. You and I have very strong views about the First Amendment. We are both uh, free speech champions. What are your views about Congress berating college presidents because the presidents didn't say what Congress thought they should have said about public uh, issues like the war in Gaza? Well, I think the way that uh, this uh, congressional hearing with uh, three university presidents, uh, the university presidents of uh, UPenn, uh, of Harvard, and of MIT, was disgusting. <laughs> the Congress uh, behaved very badly, especially this uh, Stefanik uh, congresswoman from uh, upstate New York. Not, not only uh, were they completely out of line, but they were absolutely misconstruing basic facts uh, 
either lying or just completely ignorant uh, and uh, really causing uh, um, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of pain and undermining of uh, our institutions, uh, I would say. And it, it's not over yet. Uh, it's not only the Congress, of course, it's uh, large donors uh, to the universities. They want to hear uh, the campuses uh, perform the way they want. In the particular case we're talking about, they want uh, only pro-Israel messages coming from the uh, campus authorities and the students. And uh, people have different ideas about the crisis uh, underway uh, in Gaza. Uh, our students, uh, many students are protesting uh, Israel's uh, invasion and bombing of Gaza. I protest it too. I find it uh, war crimes, uh, basically. Um, and to, to say that, though, uh, boy, that runs against uh, what some of these uh, Congress people think uh, or what some of these donors think. And so what? That's what free speech is. Uh, and especially in a moment like this uh, with uh, such high political stakes, Political free speech is essential. Now, what happened was that Stefanik uh, deliberately and, and uh, obnoxiously misconstrued uh, words and protests on the campus, uh, specifically uh, in her interrogation, because that's what it was, of uh, President Gay of Harvard. She said that when student uh, protesters, pro-Palestinian protests, by the way, both of the Jewish and uh, non-Jewish students uh, protesting uh, on the side of the Palestinians and against Israeli actions, were uh, chanting intifada or uh, uh, from uh, the river to the sea, meaning the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, they were calling for the murder of Jews. That's what Stefanik said. Uh, no, they were making a political uh, statement. Uh, they were making uh, a statement that was uh, against uh, prevailing Israel government policies. Uh, but they were exercising political speech at a time when we need political debate, because what's happening, in fact, is horrible. Thousands and thousands of uh, Women and children are being killed, uh, and it's natural uh, and important that there be political debate about this. Uh, almost all the world is against Israel's policies, is aghast at Israel's policies, uh, and voted uh, in the UN General Assembly uh, a couple of days ago by uh, a vote of 150 countries to just uh, in favor of an. Uh, In favor, in favor of a ceasefire. against, yes. Uh, if I've got the number, if I remember uh, the numbers let, correctly. Let me just stop you for a minute. A little bit jet lagged. <laughs> right? I know you want to go deeply into yep. uh, the UN because of your familiarity with it. But, before but, but Judge, have, just, we... just to say before we get off the topic, that what the students are expressing, the, the point I was going to make without uh, digressing to the UN, is they're expressing a view which is widespread around the world. They are not calling for the murder of Jews, as Stefanik, uh, in, in a very vulgar and incorrect way, said. They are calling for a stop to 
Israel's war uh, against the Palestinians uh, and calling for a is outrageous. But the whole purpose, you know this, everybody listening to us knows this. Supreme Court has said it a hundred times. The whole purpose of the First Amendment is to keep the government out of the business of speech. It is none of the government's business what the students say on a college campus and how the presidents of the universities respond to it. This Congresswoman Stefanik was just using her power as a member of Congress and a member of this committee and the subpoena power to berate, humiliate these college presidents. And it cost one of them her job. Well, it was absolute bullying because uh, the very premises of her question were ludicrous and false. First, the whole premise was that students on the campuses are calling for the mass murder of Jews, for the genocide of Jews. This is not the case. Right. They, they are making political speech, not advocating murder. She didn't cite one case. And when you start looking at this, you find out, and AP did a good job of exposing the falsehoods being carried on the social media, literally putting words uh, in videos into the mouths of the protesters, which is not what the protesters are actually saying. So Stefanik, either knowingly or ignorantly, was uh, misconstruing what the protests are about. And then uh, as the university presidents were grappling with the what for them was a hypothetical because their students are not calling for a genocide or a murder of Jews. And they were asked about it. They said, uh, well, uh, you know, whatever kind of speech has to be considered in context. And that statement was viewed as, oh, so intellectual. Uh, we need to fire this uh, president. Mm -hmm. And and actually the president of UPenn stepped down, uh, which is so sad. We don't, I don't know the full background to that. Uh, the chair of the board stepped down as well. What we do know is that they were bullied, not only by uh, the Congress, but by some of their big donors from Wall Street. And these people can be real bullies. Right, right. Um, tell us about the uh, U.S. veto of the very sensible humanitarian uh, resolution calling for a ceasefire in the Security Council. A couple of questions. How do American diplomats react at the UN when they are so overwhelmingly at odds? Did the US uh, attempt to dissuade the General Assembly from its vote after the veto in the uh, Security Council? How does this play out when the U.S. is so isolated and isolated along with a country whose murderous rampages it could stop with a phone call? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Got your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Well, this is uh, the key point. The U.S. is not uh, an observer to the to what is happening. The U.S. is a direct and not just in a political sense, uh, in a logistical sense, a direct accomplice. It is U.S. munitions that are being used by Israel and not from stockpiles, from current ongoing daily deliveries of munitions. The United States is working hand in hand with Israel in this campaign in Gaza. Now, this so-called the military campaign in Gaza against uh, Hamas, as it said, has displaced nearly 2 million people who are now crowded, hungry, dying of disease, without access to health care, and at latest count, uh, a verified count of uh, 18,000 people killed and probably many, many more under the rubble and 70% of those women and children. And the United States is providing daily the weapons for this. So what does the world community say as represented by the governments, uh, the 193 member states of the UN? It says overwhelmingly, stop this. Stop this killing. This is mass civilian slaughter before our eyes. And by the way, with a political end that is utterly unacceptable because what does the Israeli government say? It doesn't say we're defeating Hamas so we can have justice with the Palestinian people. Netanyahu, who in my view is an absolute corrupt thug, says never to a Palestinian state. So what is the outcome of this also? The outcome is this idea of complete Israeli control over Palestine. This is a a vision that many of his members of the cabinet have of the so-called greater Israel, which in which Israel either expels the Palestinians or dominates them in an apartheid state. But Netanyahu is not even offering a political solution that is even remotely acceptable morally or according to international law. Now, the United States is is siding with this. So the vote was 150 governments calling for an immediate ceasefire, 10 opposing, that's the United States and a few very small countries, the largest Guatemala and Paraguay, and then a few islands, uh, and then 23 countries abstaining. Now, if you look at the share of the world accounted uh, by these votes, nearly 90% of the world lives in the countries that voted stop the killing. The United States, uh, on the side of 5% of the world population for ourselves in the U.S. and another 1% uh, these other countries and 5% abstaining. In other words, we 
are isolated diplomatically. And even our closest allies right now are saying privately or publicly, we can't go on with a mass slaughter of civilians before our eyes. And then these geniuses in the White House, oh, Jake Sullivan, not my favorite, says, okay, just a few more weeks of the slaughter. It's going to have to come to an end. Just right. a few more weeks. I want you to listen to what the uh, deputy U.S. ambassador said just um, to the U.N. who cast the veto, said justifying the veto. And then I want you to listen to what three uh, Arab diplomats had to say uh, in response. This is after the vote in the Security Council, not after the vote in the General Assembly. Although the United States strongly supports a durable peace in which both Israelis and Palestinians can live in peace and security, we do not support this resolution's call for an unsustainable ceasefire that will only plant the seeds for the next war. We believe there is a moral obligation toward the international community to stop the killing of the civilian, Palestinian civilians. And it's the first time, at least in my lifetime, that I have seen that calling for a ceasefire became a controversial issue. I'm not sure how deep is the understanding here of what's happening on the ground in Gaza. Uh, I mean, this war has broken every record. Uh, largest number of journalists killed, largest number of, of, of hospitals destroyed, last, largest number of medics killed, largest number of UN uh, employees killed. Our message has been very clear. There needs to be uh, an immediate ceasefire, there needs to be a cessation of hostilities, and uh, we need to have immediate access for humanitarian aid. It is not acceptable. What did diplomats, I think you have your finger on something here, Jeff, what did diplomats say not for publication and behind closed doors? Does Rishi Sunak, the prime minister of Great Britain, call up Biden and say, hey, Joe, we can't back you up much longer uh, or I'm going to be voted uh, out of office? Netanyahu is intentionally slaughtering women and children, and you are providing him the means with which to do it. Do conversations like that happen? either between heads of state or among diplomats at the UN? They are happening right now. Uh, and Netanyahu is uh, showing the finger to the American president, uh, by the way, because Biden, uh, in a kind of a pathetic and weak way, is saying, well, you know, we, we, we need a two-state solution and, and so forth. And Netanyahu is saying, hell no, no two-state solution. We determine things. And the United States says, okay, we back you up. Whatever you want, we'll keep sending the weapons. So who's who's running things? Whose weapons are these? Whose bombs are these? These are our bombs. And, and if we wanted to stop this, it's not even convincing Israel to do something. Stop providing the bombs. Literally, it's a logistical matter. It's not even a political matter. We are an accomplice to this. So if Biden wants something different, Stand up and be a president. The Israeli defense forces uh, captured uh, young civilian men, stripped them down into their underwear, paraded them in front of cameras. There's three war crimes right there, the kidnapping, the stripping, and the parading in front of the cameras. 
um, and claimed that they were Hamas soldiers surrendering. That, of course, has been debunked. The tape of the of the so-called surrender was farcical. These guys were not were not soldiers at all. But when this happens, the the international humiliation of innocent civilians. What does this do for Israeli and American standing in the world community? And how, if at all, does it exacerbate things to the point where other countries in the region will be forced by popular demand to do something? Look, the the United States uh, is uh, essentially completely isolated together with Israel in this. As, as I said, uh, 1% of the world population uh, joined the United States in the veto of this General Assembly resolution. A few tiny countries. That's it. And we should take note, if we care anything uh, about uh, uh, American diplomacy, not that we do anymore, uh, but if we care anything about American standing in the world, uh, not that we seem to, uh, but from a practical point of view, of course, we're, we're completely isolated. I can't remember of all the horrible things that, that happened. I can't remember another time so vividly when we see hour by hour the mass slaughter of people when we hear the vulgarities coming from the government of Israel about how these are animals or we're going to starve them out, when we see actually nearly 2 million people displaced and their homes destroyed, and we can't figure out in the United States to do something different about this when it's our very bombs that are literally the, the, the bombs that are uh, causing this destruction. It's so, shocking to me. Now, what also Biden doesn't understand is that he's lost the American people on this, and especially the young people. You know, this is partly a generational issue. Young people who don't have uh, whatever uh, perspective that older people do on this just see Israel killing civilians in a way that is completely unacceptable. And that's why they're protesting on the campuses also, and possibly why these older donors don't get it. But this is America now. We don't, uh, we, we so don't like Joe, what's happening. Is Joe Biden just stuck in a time warp where the United States is wedded at the hip to Israel? Does he not have his finger on the pulse of what the public wants? Surely... The Congress doesn't have their collective fingers on the pulse of what uh, the public wants. If you look at the uh, APAC uh, website, you'll see more than half the members of Congress's faces there. And all you do is click on the APAC website to donate to those members of Congress. This list goes on and on and on and on. Republicans, Democrats, liberals, uh, conservatives. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. 
Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. So... It, 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 it's it, the United States of America at odd, odds with the normal human sensibilities of the American public, which is repulsed by what they see. We know from opinion surveys that Americans are disgusted. They do not support at all Biden administration policies. It has been uh, an, an absolute uh, automatic a standard of American politics, don't show any space with Israel, no matter what. That has been uh, the, the the programmed uh, logic of uh, Congress and presidents for, for decades. But it is not the view of the American people that that is a license to mass slaughter of civilians. And especially, and I think it's important to understand, um, there's no end game here other than, according to Israel, no end game other than Israeli domination of the Palestinian people, either their deaths or ethnic cleansing or living in an apartheid state, because our ally, the one that we are providing the bombs to every day, is saying straight out, no, no, there's not going to be a Palestinian state. And our president says, well, yeah, I know there needs to be a two-state solution. And uh, who uh, who gets the bombs and who keeps the killing? Right. Israel. So, right. uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's really, uh, this is how our politics has worked, but it's completely out of tune with the views of the American people now. Uh, and certainly, generationally, there's an enormous change. And worldwide, there is a revulsion. I've been traveling, as usual, I was in the Middle East. I was at uh, the climate conference uh, in the United Arab Emirates. I was in Ethiopia. Uh, I've heard nothing but uh, horror uh, at uh, what Israel is doing and at what the United States is abetting. Uh, not a voice to the contrary. People should understand this. And uh, if, if the view is doesn't matter, uh, public opinion doesn't matter. World opinion doesn't matter. International law doesn't matter. Uh, UN Security Council resolutions be damned. It's not a, a good thing, I will tell you, for the United States of America. We need normal relations with other countries. We can't be seen and should not be accomplices to war crimes, which unfortunately we are being right now. And by the way, the job of a president of the United States is to be more effective than whining. Right. I want you to listen to or, and watch um, a comment from Colonel uh, McGregor on the concept of asabia. You probably know what this is. 
and I'd like your uh, thoughts on it. It's fascinating. So for us to talk about uh, a just peace for the Palestinians in the minds of Arabs, Turks, and Iranians is essentially to say, we will give you a just peace. It's called the cemetery. You will give you the peace of the grave, and that's about it. Now, that satisfies the current government of Israel, but it puts us in a very difficult position globally as well as regionally. Now, the second point I want to make, and I think this is very important, there, there is a concept or a word in, in Arabic called asadiyya. Uh, this is a word you don't hear much anymore, but it's a word that refers to social cohesion, group solidarity, or unity of action. It is a word that was used by Ibn Khaldun, probably the most uh, famous historian of the Middle Ages, who happened to have been an Arab from Tunis. His work had a profound impact on the West. Everyone from Toynbee to Oswald Spengler all studied and read his works. And in it, he says, those who have not seen the power of, of Islam do not appreciate it. Today, we, we have historically viewed and today we view Islam as weak. Uh, a, a loose grouping of states that are more interested in killing each other than they are in doing any damage to anyone else. There have been a, a few exceptions, but that's essentially the, the analysis. Asadiyya, however, is emerging in the Arab world. It's emerging because of this war for Jewish supremacy in the region that we are supporting. And it is bringing states and peoples into coalition now that historically have not cooperated in any meaningful way for centuries. What do you think, Professor Sachs? Well, I, I think uh, the, the one word I would change of that uh, brilliant analysis is uh, it's not uh, Jewish domination, it's Israeli domination, because there are a lot of Jews that are aghast uh, at uh, what is happening. Uh, and um, I think this is really important to state. This is a policy of an Israeli government uh, that has also whipped up the Israeli public. But this is about Israel. Uh, it's not about a religion. Uh, but I think what uh, Colonel McGregor is saying is absolutely right. And what is important to understand, and this is really crucial for us to understand and for our public discourse, the Arab and Islamic leaders more generally have been stating repeatedly in the United Nations, uh, in a very important meeting in Riyadh, and in many meetings of the Arab League and Arab nations, that they want actual peace with Israel. But the peace is with two states, a state of Israel and a state of Palestine. And this also is what the United Nations has repeatedly called for in resolutions over many decades. The Arabs and Islamic leaders, and I am including Iran in that, just in case anybody is uh, not sure about the point, are calling for peace with a two-state solution. They are not calling for the elimination of Israel. They are calling for the creation of a sovereign Palestinian state as the 194th member of the United Nations. And who stands directly against that is Netanyahu and his right-wing, extreme right-wing cabinet, and who abets Netanyahu 
That is the president of the United States who murmurs, oh, we, we want a two-state solution, and then provides the bombs for an ethnic cleansing of Gaza and mass murder. So this is <laughs> pathetic. Uh, it's not as if there isn't an answer to this. There is an obvious answer to this. The answer is two states living side by side. And Netanyahu, even today, is explicit. No way. We're not going to do that. That's not what we're doing. And uh, what does the U.S. government do? It says, okay, here are some more bombs. Go ahead. I don't know how this ends, uh, Jeff. Uh, Colonel McGregor and uh, Scott Ritter are two uh, uh, military experts believe it will be expanded into a regional war that Netanyahu will not stop. Others believe Netanyahu will be driven from office and a new administration will stop the war. What do, what do you think? How does this end? We took a poll, Jeff, uh, among uh, the viewers of the show. Hundreds of people uh, responded. When do you think the war will end? One month, two months, three months? Uh, was 47% longer than six months. You know, I'm, I'm not very good at uh, forecasting. Uh, I'm, uh, I think, a little bit better uh, at uh, recommending what could happen. Uh, what I have recommended in my uh, rather extensive discussions with diplomats around the world in recent days is that the United Nations should vote immediately for the state of Palestine uh, to become the 194th member of the United Nations along the 4th of June 1967 borders, as has been called for repeatedly by the UN Security Council, and therefore is international law. Because uh, with Palestine as a sovereign state and member of the United Nations, I believe would uh, force the United States into the right answer. The right answer is that Israel can be secure with two states. Israel can never be secure with Netanyahu's approach. And the way to get to the two states is for the United States to say it is not acceptable by international law or U.S. policy or human morality to use American bombs to bring about your greater Israel solution. And the United States just needs to say that at any moment. It needs to say within the UN Security Council, together with the other 14 members that absolutely would agree, absolutely would agree in a moment that the state of Palestine exists according to UN Security Council resolutions that date back for decades. So is that going to happen? Uh, you know, perhaps not. Perhaps uh, Biden will continue uh, to obfuscate, uh, to uh, murmur, uh, to uh, be weak uh, in, in the sense of not standing up for international law and uh, U.S. Uh, uh, US uh, interests of a normal, peaceful, decent world, uh, that uh, the U.S. will continue to block the obvious diplomacy 
And let me add, and maybe it's uh, obvious, but let me just uh, expand for one moment. The way to make Israel secure is through a political solution, because what the Arab and more generally the Islamic countries are saying is we will support Israeli security. We That means stopping the funding for militias uh, like Hamas, stopping the armaments uh, for resistance movements, uh, providing peacekeepers under UN Security Council guidance. With a little bit of imagination, we could provide for Israeli physical security and end this conflict. But the whole game is to avoid the obvious. Netanyahu says the obvious, so we can listen. He says no political solution other than Israeli dominance. And we have to say, no, we don't sign up to that and we don't give you bombs to enable you to do that. And then everything changes. We move to politics. We don't give up on Israel's security. We move to the demilitarization and demobilization, not only of Hamas, but of all of the other militias, and there are several, that attack Israel, but are funded from the Middle East or are even armed from the Middle East because right. right now they're fighting for Palestine. And once a peace is achieved in the way that the Arab countries themselves have been saying since 2002, there will also be security. And this is so obvious to uh, diplomats. The reason American politicians don't go with it is that they believe that they can't cross Israel. And the reason that Israel uh, doesn't go with it is that they don't want to go with it. They think the Americans will unconditionally back them up. They think they run U.S. politics. And they should not run U.S. politics. America should determine our policies to be on the side of justice and law and peace. And we could do that within a minute. We don't have to send Jake Sullivan over there to tell him, just keep up the slaughter for a few more weeks, not longer than that. Jeffrey Sachs, thank you, my dear friend. Uh, while you were away, we uh, we reached one of our uh, wonderful goals, which is 250,000 subscribers, for which you in no small part uh, are responsible and for which uh, I and all of our millions of viewers are deeply grateful. We're proud of you and great that the numbers keep rising. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for your time today. I hope you can come back next week. Absolutely. Wherever you might be on the planet. We'll see you soon. <laughs> Thanks. A Thank lot. you. All the best. Bye. We do have a full day for you tomorrow, including Professor John Mearsheimer, our intelligence roundtable, and by popular demand, ask the judge. Judge Napolitano for judging freedom.